Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you, or somebody around you does, that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and as you're turning, I want to welcome those of you in Arlington and Moco, Loudoun, PW, as well as others online who are physically unable to be with us today, and a shout out especially to brothers and sisters who used to gather together with us physically, but who are living in different places around the world for the spread of the gospel right now. It's, uh, it's good to be together around God's Word. I, I want to start by doing a simple, relaxing exercise together. So on the count of three, I want to invite you just to take a deep breath. So no, you're not at the doctor's office with someone checking you. This is just a nice, relaxing, calming breath in and out. Sound good? All right, let's do it together. One, two, three. Breathe in and out. Pretty simple, right? And pretty awesome at the same time. Let me just explain what happened in that breath. You just took into your body about 25 sextillion molecules of air. Sextillion. I didn't know that was a word. That's 25 with 21 zeros behind it. That's more molecules that just passed through your nose than all the grains of sand on all the world's beaches. Now, those Air molecules were made up of different elements, one of which is oxygen, which is about 20% of the molecules you just breathed in. Side note, thankfully, you breathed in clean air. If it had been filled with smoke, for example, your body would have immediately rejected it. It would not have been relaxing. But thankfully, it wasn't, and the oxygen you needed came into your body. And here's how it got in you. Your brain sent a message to your diaphragm and ribs telling them to contract, increasing the size of your rib cage and enabling your lungs to expand, which then allowed that air to rush in. That air went down your trachea into your lungs where it came into contact with millions of miniature balloon-like projections called alveoli. They have alveolar walls that then brought those oxygen molecules in touch with red blood cells, which are the transportation system for oxygen in your body. You have about 20 trillion of these red blood cells. Your body is churning out about 2.5 million of them per second. And each of these red blood cells contains about 270 million oxygen-binding molecules of hemoglobin. Are you following this? These red blood cells picked up the oxygen molecules and carried them throughout your cardiovascular network, this massive collection of blood vessels that reaches every cell in your body. If we laid out those blood vessels in a straight line end-to-end, They would wrap around the entire world multiple times. And where did these red blood cells get the energy to get that oxygen throughout your body? Your heart, which pumps an average of about 100,000 times times a day. So in that breath you took, 
Your heart was the powerhouse that took the oxygen you inhaled and got it to every part of your body that needs it. All of that happened in just one breath. So let's, let's take one more together now that you know what's happening. All right? Breathe in and out. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? And all the more so when you realize this happens about 20,000 times a day without you really even thinking about it. And just to point out the obvious, if it doesn't happen, even for just a few minutes, you won't make it through the day. Now, the reason I share all of this is because as important as oxygen, oxygen is to your body, and I trust you know how important it is, I want to propose to you that the book I am holding in my hand is infinitely more important to your life. And I'm concerned that you don't know how important it is. I want to propose to you that this book has power to bring every part of your being to life in ways that oxygen could never do. And this book has power to sustain you amidst everything you face in your life in ways that oxygen cannot do. And ultimately, one day, when your body loses the ability to take in one more breath, and it will, and it could be any moment for any of us, this book has power to save your life beyond your breath. So let me show you this in this next step in our series on the beauty of faith in the book of James. So let's start together in James 1.16. And I want to encourage you as we read this passage to circle every time you see the word of God mentioned. So here we go. James 1.16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word, there's the first time, of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So six times these verses talk about God's word or God's law. And did you see what God's word does? So more than oxygen, look back at verse 18. God's word 
brings us forth. So the language there is literally God's word brings us to life. We see the exact same phrase in the original language of the New Testament in the very next book in the Bible. Just take a quick right turn in your Bible and you'll come to 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. That's the same phrase that we see in James 1.18, bring us forth, born again to a living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Then 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, since you have been, here it is again, born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Do you hear this language? God's word is living and abiding. It will abide forever. And it has power to give you new birth, to cause you to be born again. And what is this word? This word is the good news that was preached to you. So now tie this with what we just saw in James chapter 1. This word is the good news that is able to bring you forth to life. And then in verse 21, this word contains the good news that is able to save your soul. Which all begs the question, how how does this word make this possible? How does this word make it possible to bring you to life and save and sustain your life? Well, I'm glad you asked. This word that is living and abiding is the word of God himself. So the same God who created your body and your heart and your lungs and your red blood cells and your blood vessels, the same God who provides you with the oxygen to breathe, this God has spoken to you and me. In this word, so big picture, God has told us who he is and how he created us. And he's told us in his word how he loves us. And he's told us how to experience abundant life with him. And God has told us how we have all sinned against him and how the just judgment due us in our sin is death, eternal death. But why has God told us this? Because God loves us and God wants to save our souls from sin and death. God has told us how he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross to pay the price for our sin and to rise from the dead in victory over sin so that anyone of us who trusts in Jesus will be forgiven of our sin and restored to relationship with God where we can experience eternal life with him starting right now. This word is indeed really, really good news about how God wants to bring us to life and save our souls from sin and death. 
and to sustain us through every circumstance of life, now and forever. In other words, this word is infinitely more important to our lives than oxygen is to our bodies. And I am concerned that many of us, I think it's safe to say most of us, are not getting the life we need from this word. And as a result, we are weak and frail in every facet of our lives. Not just spiritually, but mentally, emotionally, relationally, even physically in some ways. And I say most of us because Quite honestly, I include myself in this. I've been so convicted studying this passage this week, personally, and as part of the church in our day. Did you know that just a couple of centuries ago, it would have been common for a regular church grower, not just a pastor, but all the more so a pastor, but just a regular, ordinary Christian to rise before dawn for extended time in private prayer and meditation on God's word, to be followed by family prayer and meditation on God's word in the morning, to be followed by time set aside in the middle of the day for personal and or corporate gathering with the church for prayer and meditation on God's word, to be followed by family prayer and meditation on God's word in the evening. Before personal prayer and meditation on God's word before going to sleep. This was once the normal schedule for any Christian. Collective hours throughout the day in prayer and meditation on God's word. But not for us. We almost can't fathom this. Not amidst everything going on in our lives, right? I mean, how is this possible? From the moment we rise to the moment we go to bed, moments throughout the day, to always be looking at God's word, we can't imagine. Well, wait a minute. Can we imagine having something that we look at first thing in the morning, right before we go to bed, and collective hours of our day in between. I think we can. Did you know that the average American spends five hours and 24 minutes a day on one of their mobile devices? From the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, and everywhere in between. Did you know that we check our phones on average 96 times a day? That's once every 10 minutes. Brothers and sisters, we are breathing in the air of this world all day long on our devices. We disciplined ourselves to do so, to always be looking scrolling, typing, reading, sending, listening, 
to use the illustration from earlier, we're breathing in smoke all day long. And you can tell in the quality of our spiritual lives and our mental and emotional states and in our relationships and in some ways even our physical conditions. And in this moment, in this text, on this day, God is calling you and me to make a radical change to reorient our lives around this word so that we can actually live. We are not living like we could be living. And God loves us and wants us to experience life. So let's hear what God is saying to us right now. Through his word. like That's why we've gathered together. Not just to go through religious routine on a Sunday. We want to hear from God. And he's speaking to us right now about the place of his word in our lives. God is saying to us right now. You might write this down. One, he's saying, receive my word humbly and wholeheartedly. That's what God is speaking to us right now. Look at verse 19. Let every person, everybody, that includes you, me, every person, be quick to hear. The language is literally, uh, let every person hurry up and listen. And be quiet, slow to speak, and slow to anger. These are all postures of humility. And there's actually some confusion here about whether James is just talking generally about all of life, including relationships with others. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Or specifically when we approach God's word. And based on the whole Bible, we know ultimately it's both. Yes, God instructs us to live like this all the time. So let's hear that word from God. Just think about the Proverbs. The whole book starts by saying, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtained guidance. Let the wise listen. In contrast, Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Wisdom starts with listening to understand, not expressing your thoughts. Proverbs 17.27, whoever restrains his word has knowledge. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Proverbs 14, verse 29. Whoever is slow to anger has has great understanding. He who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So do people know you as a listener? As one who seeks to understand and who is slow to anger with a cool spirit? I won't ask for a show of hands when it comes to who struggles with listening or who struggles with anger. But hear God saying to us today, there's a different way to live, a far better way to live, especially in a culture that has convinced us that a thought means it should be sent. A thought means it should be posted. A thought means it should be said. It's not true quick to hear, slow to speak, 
slow to anger, knowing that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger does not produce a life that reflects a right relationship with God and others. So God says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. The language there is like taking off garments in order to put on something else. And here's the deal. If this is how we should communicate with anyone, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, how much more should this mark our communication with God? Quick to hear whatever God has to say. God, I want to listen to you all day long. If this is our posture toward others, surely this should be our posture toward God, which is why he says, receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word, which we've already seen is able to save your souls. And this word implanted, that is so good. Because for all those who have been brought to life by this word, you've been born again by the power of this word, God's word is now planted inside of you. This is where I've got to show you two quick places in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bible, turn with me back to Jeremiah 31 first. So use table of contents if you need to, but take a left and find Jeremiah chapter 31. If these verses are not underlined in your Bible, they need to be underlined. And let me uh, just add, if you don't have a Bible, we would love to get you a Bible. So at any of our locations today, we would love to give you a Bible today. Just go to the lobby and... Ask somebody, where can I find a Bible? And yeah, if they won't help you, then tell them they have a problem in their relationship with God. So anyway, or unless they're looking for a Bible, then find somebody who's not looking for a Bible. Okay, Uh, so let me set the context. Jeremiah 31, back here in the Old Testament, Jeremiah was speaking to God's people about their struggles to obey God's law. And God gave them a promise of what was going to happen in the New Testament, in the New Covenant through Jesus. So look with me at Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make. This is relationship that I will have with the house of Israel after those days, declare the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and they will be my God and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Do you hear that? God says, I'm going to put my law inside them. My word just won't be outside them. It'll be written on their hearts. What a phrase. Then one more place. So now turn to Ezekiel uh, 36. Ezekiel chapter 36. You'll take a right in your Bible, just a couple of books. Come to Ezekiel chapter 36, another passage you need to have underlined, specifically about the relationship between our hearts and God's word and God's spirit. So the imagery here is beautiful. Ezekiel 36 verse 24. I will take you. God says this, talking to his people, from the nations, I will gather you from all the countries, I will bring you into your own land, I will sprinkle clean water on you, you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, from all your idols, I will cleanse you. That's God saying, I'm going to forgive you of all your sins. And then, listen to this, 
I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and listen to this, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Do you see the language here? God is promising that in the new covenant, and this is what has happened to every single person who places your faith in Jesus, God not only forgives you of your sin, he fills you with his spirit. He gives you a new heart, new life. That's what it means to be born again. A new spirit is within you. And by his spirit in us, God causes us to walk in his word, to be careful to obey his word. That's what James means when he talks about the implanted word. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, God has supernaturally written his word on your heart. You're born again, new life, new heart, new spirit, with God's word planted on your heart. So receive it wholeheartedly. To, to use our illustration from earlier, just like you have a physical heart that needs oxygen to work, you have a spiritual heart that needs God's word to work. Your heart, your life cannot work without God's word pumping through it. So humbly and wholeheartedly receive it all day long in the morning in the evening, and in your moments in between, receive this word and experience life. This is the Christian life, and when we live like this, we experience what it's like to actually be the people of God and to walk in relationship with God. Christian, don't settle for less than this anymore. Don't settle for breathing in smoke all day long and starving your heart from what your heart most needs, the Word of God, the Spirit of God pumping through your entire being all day long. Let's receive God's Word humbly and wholeheartedly. And then second, so God is saying to us right now through this text, God is saying, remember my Word intentionally and continually. So don't just read it. Remember it. Now, we're going to talk in just a moment about this clear command to do the Word. But look with me at the illustration that James uses in this passage about a guy who looks at himself in a mirror and then walks away and forgets what he was like. He's saying, don't do that with God's word. But it's possible, right? To open God's word, to read it, and a few hours later to totally forget what you read. Could be a few minutes later to totally forget what you read. But then watch the contrast here. But the one who looks into the perfect law and the language here is so good. This word for looks, you saw it earlier, it looks intently. This word for looks means to get down and look closely, intentionally. I'm just trying to think of an illustration. I think about when I was buying Heather's wedding ring. So, middle school, high school guys, 
Start saving now. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna cost you the farm. And you're gonna get a lesson on that day in cut and clarity and color and carrot as you look at these diamonds from every angle possible. And they're all gonna look the same to you, but they are not the same. Not when you get down and you look really closely and you turn it around. James says, do that with the perfect law of God. I stop and study it. Gaze on it. Turn it around. Look at it from every angle. One translation for this word look is to look with penetrating absorption. I love that. Absorb it. And persevere in this. Keep doing this. Don't be content with a little word from God to move on in your day. No, look at it and keep looking at it all day long so you don't forget it, so that you remember it. This is what God told his people from the very beginning. And you go back in Deuteronomy. So one more place in the Old Testament. Another place you need to have underlined. So Deuteronomy chapter six. This is the fifth book in the Bible. So way back in the beginning, Deuteronomy chapter six. That word Deuteronomy means second law. It's God restating or recounting his law with his people before they enter the promised land. And God tells them, this is one of the most important passages in all the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. It's called the Shema. Shema is a Hebrew word for uh, hear and obey. It's kind of all in one word. So that's the first word that comes out of the shoot here. Deuteronomy 6, 4, hear, Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And this is the foundation of everything. The fact that we have been created for a relationship with the God of the universe marked by love. It's awesome. Now, flowing from that, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. It sounds like he's talking about his cell phone. He's not. He's talking about his word. Then you get to verse eight. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Then listen to what God says next. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you with great and good cities you did not build, houses full of all good things that you did not fill, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, all these blessings that I pour out on you when you eat and are full, then take care lest you for what? You what? You forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. In other words, keep my word everywhere because you're going to be tempted to forget me and what's most important. And then, so watch this, turn two chapters over in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. Listen to what God says. Same language, Deuteronomy 8, 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments his rules, his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God 
who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you, out, brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today, you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Are we hearing this? Straight from God. Don't forget my word. It will lead to disaster for you. Lodge my word in your heart, in your mind, so that it's always before you, continually. You know what it's like with your phone always near you, always looking at it? Be like this with the word of God. And, well, let's just remember this point, God's word is available on these devices. So we can look at it and spend collective hours with the word from something in our pocket all day long. And then just think about this practically for a minute. So God's clear call for us to remember his word. So what is the best way to remember God's word? This is not a trick question. The best way to remember God's word is to memorize God's word, right? To hide it in your heart, lodge it in your mind. And I know some people say, I, I can't memorize very well. And I have mentioned this before. There's no question that different people have different capacities to memorize. But as I've said before, what, what if I told you that I would give you $1,000 for every verse you could memorize between now and this time tomorrow? I think you could learn <laughs> to memorize. Like, Jesus wept, John 11:35. boom, 1,000 bucks. So the question is not, can you memorize? The question is, what's worth more to you, God's word or money? Memorize. Verses, paragraphs, chapters, books of the Bible. If that sounds extreme, just look at many of our Muslim neighbors and friends whose children are memorizing the entire Koran before they graduate high school. And not just memorizing it, but memorizing it in the original language, the Arabic, even if they don't speak Arabic. Imagine our children's ministry beginning a process where we're gonna start teaching our kids to memorize the New Testament in Greek. And once we get that finished, we move on to the Old Testament in Hebrew. If they have the words of a false God, then what are you and I doing with the words of the one and only true God? In our lives, in our families, and as a church family, 
memorize. If you're the head of your household, take responsibility for leading your household to memorize the word. In our church groups, let's memorize the word together. Let's help each other remember God's word intentionally and continually. If we're not intentional about this, then we'll come together. We'll even hear sermons on Sunday or go to Bible studies or even read our Bible in the morning and it'll be fine. But by the time we go to bed that night, we'll have forgotten most of it. That's the way our minds work unless we keep on looking at God's word intentionally and continually. And we obey it. God is saying to us today, receive my word humbly and wholeheartedly. Remember my word intentionally and continually and obey my word immediately and gladly. The Bible says you're deceiving yourself if you just hear the word and you don't do it. Did you catch that? James just said it's possible to come to church every single Sunday and be completely deceived. It's possible, it's dangerously possible to come in here, all the different locations, tune in online, hear a sermon, think, man, I needed that. Then walk away and nothing changes. Come back the next week, you're like, man, I needed that. And we almost pride ourselves on it. Man, that was a good word. Man, I needed that. And we kind of move on with our lives the same as they were before, we're deceived, totally deceived. And we can do the same thing with Bible reading in our individual lives. We can read the Bible every single day and live a totally deceived life, which is why James 1.22 says what it says. Maybe the theme verse of the entire book. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Then he gets to verse 25. And he says, the one who looks in the, the perfect law, I love that, God's word, the law of liberty, this word that has, brings life and freedom to you, perseveres in it, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Jesus says the exact same thing. Listen to his language, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many, many mighty works in your name? I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Did you catch that? Many people, not just a few, many people will be shocked to stand before Jesus one day and hear him say, I never even knew you. Away from me. People who called Jesus Lord, but did not obey the law of God. And we're gonna talk about this more when we get to James 2 and we see the relationship between faith and works. Because this is not Jesus or James saying that we need to work in order to earn our salvation, but this is Jesus and James saying those who truly know Jesus actually obey Jesus. And listen to what Jesus says next about how important obedience is to the foundation of our lives. 
He says, everyone, this is Jesus, in Matthew 7, end of the Sermon on the Mount, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and, so they hear it, but they do not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. What's the difference between those who withstand the storms of life and those who cave when the storms of life come? The difference is, not just you hear the words of Jesus, both of them heard the words. The one who stood was obeying the word. And the one who caved was not. So how are you doing with the word? Because there's a sense in which Satan would delight, in a sense, in you even hearing this sermon and a variety of others. Maybe even resolving to read your Bible more. As long as you don't do anything with it. Because then your heart will get used to hearing and not doing. And you'll be totally deceived. So obey God's word immediately. When God's word says to do something, do it then, not later, not when you can get around to it, do it immediately. I would just ask, is there something you know God has been calling you to do for a while now and you have been hesitant to do it for any number of reasons? Hear him saying to you right now, it's time to do it. Now, immediately and gladly. Remember, this is the law of liberty. This is freedom. Experiencing the life God has made you to live, not just in hearing God's word, but in experiencing it, walking it out, knowing that when you hear this word, you will, and you do it, you will be blessed in your doing. The word there means happy. It's the same word that Psalm 1 uses. Blessed, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates when? Day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Obviously, this does not mean that everything will be easy, all, always go well around you. Remember the trials of various kinds that we saw earlier in James chapter 1? But that's why Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7 are so important. Because when the trials of life come, and they will come, if you are living your life breathing in the air of this world all day, you will collapse when the trials come. But when you're receiving God's word humbly and wholeheartedly, remembering it intentionally and continually, it's hidden deep in your heart and your mind, you're obeying it immediately and gladly, you'll have the life of God pumping through every fabric of your being and you'll be able to stand. The endless drivel offered to you and me on our phones and tablets cannot give us that, but God's word can and when the ultimate trial comes and our last breath is approaching, in that moment, 
the drivel of this world will do nothing for us. It will all come up empty. We need a word to stand on in those moments and to live. So here's how I want to close today. In personal prayer and reflection, God's speaking to your heart. Some of you have never received God's word. You've not been born again through this word. And today, this moment is the day, the moment when that can change. If this is you today and this moment, I want to invite you to believe God's word. To believe that God loves you so much that he has spoken to you about how he has sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. He's risen from the dead so that you can be forgiven of all your sin and have eternal life in relationship with him. I want to invite you to let this word save your soul today. So as we spend this time in reflection, I invite you to say to God, I need you to save my soul. I need your word to bring me to life. And as you pray that, he will do that. Today, everything can change for you if you will just receive and trust in God's love and God's word with your life. And for all who have done that, for all who've been brought to life by this word, I want to give you a couple of minutes just between you and God And I want to ask, what is God calling you to do specifically, practically, to orient your life around breathing in his word? So I want to encourage you and in a sense challenge you to go totally against the grain of this world and to right now just pray, identify one, two, three practical steps that God is calling you to take this week, not like in the future, like now, to reorient your life around receiving and remembering and obeying his word. So I want to give you a moment to reflect on this, maybe write down your thoughts, and then I or one of our other location pastors want to pray for us that God will help us not just to hear what he's saying, but to do it, and in doing it, to live, to truly live. So spend some time reflecting on, on this question now, and then we'll pray together. invite you to bow your heads with me unless you're writing down something or just don't let me interrupt what you're doing personally but I do want to lead us together in prayer God we praise you for your word we praise you for your love for us expressed in your word to us thank you for not leaving us in the dark we cannot imagine what it would be like 
to be in the dark on how to experience life in you. Just trying to figure out our own way. We praise you that as our creator, you love us enough to speak to us. And not just every once in a while, but through all that we see in your word. These 66 books inspired by your spirit over centuries to help us know who you are and how we can live. And for putting your word in our hearts and your spirit in our hearts to help us live, all glory be to your name. For the realities behind what we've just seen in your word today. And so we pray, help us. Help us to hear it and do it. God, I pray for people around this room specifically who, when they came in here today, had never experienced new life through your word. I pray that they are trusting in you, Jesus, that many for the first time today are trusting in you to bring new life to cause them to be born again. And we pray that as you plant your word in them, it would bear fruit in and through them in the days to come in ways that resound to your glory for all of eternity. And God, we pray that for all of us who have your word planted in us. These practical things that we've just reflected on, I pray that you'd help us to do them by the power of your spirit in us. And in the process, help us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.